Hello, everyone. Welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. You found your way over to Management Decisions. Here we discuss a variety of topics that concern upper management and executives. Now, one of those areas might be public relations and how an organization or individuals within that company are perceived. Maybe the most challenging aspect will be when a negative incident occurs and some crisis management might be needed. Joining us in the studio to talk about those aspects from a PR point of view, we have the owner and president of Miller Communications, H. Carl Miller. How are you doing today, Carl? Very good. Thank you. And along with him, we have James Madlum, who is an account supervisor with Miller Communications. Thanks for coming in, James. My pleasure. Um, you know, let's get right to it as far as the two of you coming in, giving your expert point of view. What does your organization do exactly? Fill the listeners in a little bit. Sure. If I could start, James, I think in our most basic form, we help clients meeting challenges, solving problems. That's what we do and use a variety of tools in our communications toolbox to do that. And it ranges from media relations to marketing communications to a whole variety of now of tools that are provided by social media and the sure. internet. And we've had to become very uh, quick on our feet and flexible in the use of all of those tools. But that in general is what we do. There's a broad range of uh, people and enterprises involved in public relations. But I think for most of our clients, we become quickly become part of that corporate management communications team mm -hmm. and work effectively within that. And we'll be happy to get into some specifics, et cetera. But that's the in my world, the most basic description. And James, I'm sure you can add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think, Carl, that you know covers the broad overview. I mean, our goal is to be strategic advisors uh, to our clients, to really be part of their management team, uh, to make sure that we understand what their needs are um, and help them understand uh, you know, who their audiences are and the best way to communicate with them. All right. Well, I mean, as you guys said, there are a lot of intricacies that can go into it, but I appreciate the, the broad right. scope of it. Within that, you know, we're talking about public relations, PR, and people are going to have their own interpretation of what that means, positive, negative. When you sort of brainstorm or, or you know, obviously within your organization, you've been doing this a long time. How do you define PR in general? How do you define it, its role? Public relations, more than anything, is communications and management of a person or a firm's public image, their brand awareness, et cetera. Mm. And how do you manage that in the most effective way to help pursue the longer, larger, longer-term business goals of the organization? I like the idea of image and brand. You know, you hear that right. term a lot, and I think I think that hits it right on the head there. Uh, you know, with that, you know, I, we did bring you in to sort of not take a, a an approach to it of only crisis management, but that is a part of it. It is a part of okay, something went bad. All right, no company's perfect, no individual's perfect. But what what really constitutes a crisis? When do you feel? your organization would need to really come in and, and sort of clean things up or give them a direction because of that negative publicity or whatever happened. Yeah, it might be more appropriate to talk about when the clients call us in because we don't get to order ourselves in. They, <laughs> hey, you need some help? Uh, we, we heard you might be in trouble. Yeah, we're kind of like the fire department. You know, okay. we don't come to your house because we'd like to you to have a fire. <laughs> uh, but we there are different examples of this, but typically it's when a an issue or a problem has gotten so large or is becoming so large, now it's beyond the scope of that company, mm -hmm. out into the community uh, and involving media, et cetera. If they can handle it internally, they'll do it. They won't call us okay. in. But we're, in that respect, very much like the fire department. We are the people who have a lot of knowledge, expertise, experience in dealing with crises, in dealing with media on a daily day basis, on working with the community. 
So they recognize this thing's gotten beyond our ability to mm-hmm. manage or control. We better bring in some help. And while we're happy to serve as the fire department when need be, uh, you know, we much prefer and are happy to work with clients that pursue it more proactively, who recognize that no matter your business, no matter what you do, there is always the potential for a crisis situation. And it doesn't matter whether you're a professional services firm uh, that may face issues of employee malfeasance uh, or a construction firm, uh, for example, that may face challenges on on a work site, injuries, uh, or God forbid, a death uh, Mm -hmm. from an accident. Are there... Are there common mistakes that a company would make when trying to handle it on their own or thinking, yeah, we got this and that's where it escalates and then, oh, we better bring in the experts. I mean, are there certain things that maybe those listening could look out for so they don't get at least fall into that trap too often? Well, the biggest single mistake is being unprepared. Mm-hmm. So we say to everybody, we if you want to build your own crisis management plan, we have a template on our website. Go there, do it yourself. Uh, Secondly, not doing any kind of preparation of employees on what to do if this happens. So some crisis, some, it could be a fire, an explosion, it could be any one of a number of other things. It happens, the employees know nothing about what to do next and they're in a panic mode. Everybody is running around trying to figure out what to do as opposed to taking care of what they should be doing and letting other people do their job. So having the plan does all of that, and then we typically want to test drive it and do a mock crisis so people can actually practice this, what's been written and taught to them, practice it in real life. Yeah, I mean, there's no uh, better way to prepare than to do. And sure. you know, we find that tabletop exercises like that are tremendously valuable, not only in making sure people understand their rules, but in refining that plan, I mean, invariably, when you go through a crisis, whether it's a mock crisis or a real crisis, you're going to find elements of that plan that need to be adjusted. You know, it exposes all your weaknesses. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And you know, a lot of times organizations aren't thinking about all of the different points at which the media might approach them, mm-hmm. uh, that other outside stakeholders may interact with them. So you know, maybe you have senior management prepared with you know key messages on an issue, but. Have you made sure that reception staff knows how to handle a camera crew that might show up unexpected at the front door? They may have no idea about what's happening or what to do with them. Or employees who might be leaving out a back entrance uh, who are ambushed by a camera crew who wants to start asking them questions about something that, you know, they're not familiar with. So how do you two or the organization view the media in general? We like to tell, uh, I'm from the media, so Mm -hmm. I can't be too negative here. (laughs) We tell our clients the media is not the enemy and they're also not your friend, right? They are nothing more than a way to speak to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So doing that in, a, in a, an honest and truthful and, and clear and concise, complete way is very important. But whatever you say, once you say it, can't be pulled back. So have that all put together well and then get it out there in a fashion that you're going to be comfortable with when it's repeated back to you. Sure. When it comes to the media, and we're going to get into a couple, you know, some details, some particulars right. of, of handling right. maybe some some issues that come up. How strong is it, do you believe, in this country, in this state, in this city? How strong is that media influence? Well, the media now includes all social media, mm-hmm. includes anything going viral on YouTube, you name it. It's all of that. And to ask how important, it could literally destroy a company. It mm-hmm. can destroy your goodwill with your customers, the consumers, uh, your investors, et cetera. It is critically important that you recognize today whatever good or bad may be said about you will, if it's 
powerful would quickly get, get spread around the whole country of the world within minutes, if not sure. seconds. Yeah. I mean, two points with that. I mean, number one, uh, we're all connected all the time, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's with your smartphone, whether it's with your computer, whether it's with the newspaper, you may still get in printed form. So we're all connected to what's happening in the world uh, and very aware of it. And if something does go viral, as it can, that has a tremendous impact on a company. And the second issue is it lives forever, right? I mean, despite the right. fact that we have a 24-7 news cycle where things cycle in and out of the news more rapidly than maybe they did in the past, it also lives uh, online. Uh, you're a simple Google search away, your company and that issue that occurred uh, from people remembering what it was about or finding information about it. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. Carl, did you have something you want to add there? I was going to say, we used to talk about news cycles in terms of hours or <laughs> half a day, and now it's seconds. Right. Right. So we really need to be prepared and move rapidly on all these fronts. Well, and it is. It's a convergence of the traditional media and the social media. Mm -hmm. You find traditional media sourcing stories from social media, using it as a platform. Uh, You find stories breaking on social media today. And of course, it provides the power to your audience as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, companies have a greater opportunity than ever, a platform uh, to share their messages through these various mechanisms directly with their audiences. But at the same token, there's feedback that comes back with it uh, in a way that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Sure. Let's talk about some particulars, some maybe scenarios. And, uh, you know, you gentlemen maybe have some you'd want to touch on. I had thrown out a couple um, in prior communication with uh, with the organization because stuff happens. We hear about it all the time. Again, you read about it in the media. You see it on Twitter, Facebook, wherever it might be. Uh, and I always wonder... What's the right path? How do you get out there? I mean, some people think, oh, always be honest, always be open. Other people have their own, you know, again, ideas on how that works. Uh, did you want to throw out any scenarios to start? Did you want me to, to get one to you guys? Or? Well, we can throw out one or several for mm-hmm. you. And one in particular has affected this type of crisis has hit several large companies in this area over the past year or two in a highly publicized way. And it has to do with large-scale employee fraud. Someone's embezzling, embezzled a lot of money from Mm -hmm. the company. And uh, in this case, I'll let James elaborate. Uh, We were able to get in before it went to the media, Mm -hmm. but it was the subject of a grand jury investigation. FBI was involved, and there were multiple actions of fraud affecting more than one company, but we were representing one in particular who had a lot of concern about how this might play out because they were a a global company that uh, it was in a very competitive business and they knew if this got out the wrong way, their competitors would use it against them. In other words, suggest to customers, you need to come to us because they're in deep financial trouble and uh, they may not be able to deliver the goods and services you are ordering from them. So maybe with that, you wanna talk a little bit about what a, a, challenging and interesting case that was. Sure. So, I mean, as Carl mentioned, uh, when it comes to embezzlement and fraud, this is something that's occurred with a number of companies. We've worked with a number of them to deal with this situation. And in many of them, we've been very fortunate in the case, in the sense that they've come to us when they know they have an issue, mm-hmm. but before it's gotten out. And so we've been able to work closely with them to make sure that their organization is prepared to deal with it. And uh, you know, we definitely start from the perspective that you know honesty and truth is where you begin sure. and where you end. And you need to make sure that you're providing factual and timely information. You need to make sure that people, your stakeholders, 
turn to you as a trusted source of information, Mm -hmm. uh, that they first and foremost know that they can go to your company, they can go to your organization, and they're going to get what you know uh, as you know it, um, and that they don't need to turn to other sources as their first and primary source. You know, in in this particular case, you know, we had a situation where it was an employee-owned company. Uh, So you had challenges with internal communications that were just as important. Uh, People who are going to look at the situation and say, what does this mean to my bottom line? What does it mean to my employment, my situation here? Uh, So, you know, we worked with them to identify what are the particular sensitivities of their audiences? You know, what is it that competitors may do uh, in the the competition space? What is it that employees may be concerned about? Mm -hmm. And make sure that the entire organization from senior leadership down to the reception staff uh, is prepared to handle the inquiries that inevitably they would get. Right. Um, and to make sure that, you know, when we worked with the media, and to take this example, you know, as mentioned, everyone needs to be prepared. You know, here everybody was prepared. And so the day arrived when an investigative reporter from a newspaper showed up on the front doorstep uh, asking <laughs> for the CEO. And, you know, we've had other clients who have faced that situation. They've come to us after, uh, and they did an interview. And maybe the information they shared wasn't exactly accurate right. um, because they didn't know all of it. I mean, you know, at, at the outset of a crisis, uh, facts change very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were able to follow the protocol. The reception staff knew what to do. Uh, we were engaged. We were able to coordinate an interview uh, with senior leadership and with the reporter that provided the context for this story uh, in a way that positioned the company as they were. I mean, the victim of an individual who was a con artist, who was a fraud, uh, who had victimized other organizations and companies, um, and help explain that uh, to the media. But we also made sure uh, that when we knew a story was going to run, we were alerting our stakeholders to that in advance, that they weren't surprised when they opened up the paper in the morning or they were scrolling through their Twitter feed and saw some piece about it. They had already received an email from us or Mm -hmm. communications from us, a personal call in some cases, to let them know uh, that the organization was on top of it, that they were going to be sharing information as they could, and who they could go to for, for questions. Now, just quickly, and Carl, I'll let you talk to it as well. Why is it so important to let them know, okay, there is a story that's going to be wrong as opposed to reacting to that story? I mean, what's the big difference there? Yeah, there's an old saying that uh, bad news travels like wildfire and good news travels slow. Mm -hmm. So we know the bad news, the scariest stuff, the most controversial, get out there first unless we do something about it. We need to be there either ahead of it or at the same time. Mm -hmm. So... In addition to what James said, bottom line communication was the company is financially secure. It's doing well. Right. We're, we're weathering through this. will not affect us financially, financial future in any way. So very important that it's almost like the general going to war. All this was prepared in advance. We knew exactly what everybody knew exactly what they're going to do once this thing popped loose. We just didn't know exactly when. Yeah. So that all went extremely well. And it's the good name, reputation, core business line of the company that we're protecting. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, does it matter, or I guess, what what are the challenges if something did get out before you guys were contacted? Maybe there was a leak, maybe an employee did let something spill about an investigation before any sort of management was, was able to be brought in. How does that change things? Is it still be open and honest? Is it, okay, we got to pull back a little bit? I mean, how does that affect well, everything? Well, good question. It's more than open and honest. Now we're playing catch up. Mm-hmm. And in particular with social media, mm. now we're chasing things that are <laughs> running way ahead of us. So very important that quickly the company has its own competing story to tell. Okay. The one advantage you have with one definition of news, it's what's new. So mm. if you think about it, that 
previous story is already old by the five minutes after it's out there. Can you get on top of that and can you drive the news coverage or the, all the media coverage of this by what you're doing proactively, preferably with top leadership in the company? So it does change it in the sense that now it's get the fire engine out there. We're running as fast as we can. We need to, we don't have a plan in place probably. We don't have statements, fact sheets, but let's get on top of it and start driving it. Right. And and I mean, I think there's a lot of great examples on the national level of where companies haven't done a great job of this. Oh, sure. Caught flat footed. And of course, one of the the prime examples is the BP oil spill, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of New Orleans, a situation where the company was not prepared either substantively uh, to deal with the situation, but in this case, relative to the communication side, not prepared to handle that either. Um, They had a situation where very quickly, uh, a mock Twitter account was set up, uh, BPPR, <laughs> right? right. Uh, which quickly garnered uh, 10 times as many followers as BP did. So here they are in the middle of a crisis, struggling uh, to deal with the situation, struggling to communicate it, and they're fighting the headwinds of some other Twitter account that's putting out information to a much wider audience. Right. Um, and also not prepared to handle it tonally, right? I mean, the company came out and made comments about how tough it was for the CEO, you know, how tough it was for those individuals <laughs> when in fact there were people who had died in mm-hmm. the situation, people whose livelihoods were at stake, uh, particularly in the fishing industry sure. uh, in that area. Right. I think it's important to remember, uh, for those listening, it there's not going to be a lot of sympathy for CEOs or executives out there. So I think that's a good point you bring up there, James. I mean, just in general, it's the, it's the nature of how things work, I think. Right. I mean, you want to make sure that the company is putting its values out there. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that you say is going to demonstrate what the values of your company are, sure. uh, both what you say and how you act. And you should always be putting your customer first, your community first, uh, in both what you do as well as what you say. And I would have to say subsequently, and the last year, BP's done a much better job of that, but oh my God, the millions, James, that they must be spending on all this advertising, everything else to try to regain all the lost goodwill, mm-hmm. clean up the damage, the wreckage to their good name reputation. No question. I mean, a, a great example of why it's important to be prepared uh, to act quickly, act swiftly, and to do it right the first place, because eventually they did a lot of great work uh, that you know enhanced the reputation in the community, but it was a huge uphill battle. And a costly one. So Very costly. two objective measures. One is with the Twitter account, you're able to measure how the other side's winning and you're losing badly. There's a <laughs> you know real objective measure there. Right. Then you can measure it in millions of dollars that they're spending today. They wouldn't have spent otherwise on all kinds of programs and then advertising to ri- try to regain the lost value to their brand image. And of course, with a publicly traded company, their market capitalization. Exactly. Right? I mean, they lost a tremendous amount of value, right. uh, much of which was because of a loss of confidence uh, that the company could really handle the situation. Right. Sure. Well, that was great. I think those are a couple of great examples. We kind of touched on a number of different areas. Um, Carl, did you have somewhere else you wanted to go with uh, any examples? Well, one other example that we deal a lot with is in the food industry. And you see a lot of this today with product recalls, people actually dying as a result of mm-hmm. tainted food products. And um, the one that I would point to that is, a, I think, a good example of, of both good and bad was um, a major food producer in this area that manufactured, I can talk about it now because it's a former business, former client, but they produced hamburger patties. And um, there was an outbreak of E. coli bacteria illness in in uh, southern part of the United States that was apparently the result of these hamburger patties. Mm-hmm. The simple fact is that if you cook properly, you will never get ill 
from any uh, beef product like that. If you eat it rare or raw, it's almost guaranteed you will because E. coli is all over occurring naturally in our environment. Right. All right. So what happened here is this restaurant was running a big sale. So they had teenagers taught, you're going to cook these hamburgers at this degree for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, you load the whole griddle up with frozen hamburger patties. And over time, it really brings the temperature of the griddle down, even though you've dialed it up to that level. And they were pumping out hamburgers that were rare or not fully cooked. Right. And guess what? People got sick. So there was a product recall that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and to bring back hundreds of thousands of pounds of this of beef and destroy it. Network TV came in and played it up. So they brought in a different public relations firm out of Atlanta in this case to mm-hmm. represent the fast food chain. And the first question everyone was asking is, what are you doing to prevent this from happening again? And the only real answer they were comfortable giving, it wasn't fire all these employees or train our cook staff better or take any liability here. We're going to get rid of our supplier. We're going to go to a a new supplier, blame it on the supplier. Right, pass the buck. So we were brought in to help with the public relations of that, and we did, and did it in such a way that they did lose the account for a year. A year later, they brought them back because they realized they had the A-team not just with the supplier, but with the PR help that they would be getting from us right. as part of that team. But there they lost a major account, lost a lot of product, et cetera. Um, so with, with something like that, where essentially, you know, they're getting blamed for something that right. you could easily argue was not their fault. How do you not get into sort of that back and forth match? Because I think that never, again, that never plays well in the media. In my well, mind. not just that. Had we done that, we would never have gotten that account back. Good point. Good point. So I had to play, and we couldn't deny that we supplied the product. Sure. You know, it's just, it's a shared blame. Had they cooked it properly, nobody would have gotten sick. Mm-hmm. So the point there is good public relations is don't just protect your image right now, but long-term. And how do you recover in a way that allows you to uh, maintain your image as a, a trustworthy supplier, as a trustworthy business partner. Right. Well, I think the key, Carl, is do the right thing. Right. I mean, that's the first I like lesson. Those we, words. First lesson we, we talk <laughs> right. about with any client. Right. And if you do the right thing, the rest of it, the rest of it will follow. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple. Right. Sometimes it's hard to figure that out. What exactly is the right thing? And sometimes it's even harder to do. But you'll never go wrong. If you just keep that work ethic in mind. Sure. No, I think that's a great, uh, just a great guideline to, to follow right. in general. Right. Uh, at least if you start there, you, you'll go right. up from there. When it comes to um, the type of organization, does it matter if it is employee-owned versus, you know, privately-owned versus a public form? Maybe a, a teacher is involved or a person in office. I mean, do those things really change the game at all or slightly? I mean, is there any way you can sort of quantify that for us a little bit? Changes the game a lot. Yeah. Uh, going, well, I'll James uh, jump in here, but going to a, from a privately owned company to a publicly traded company exposes you to a much greater audience and more media. And going, you mentioned government or mm-hmm. Any kind of a public entity, now all documents are public, subject to the open records law, a huge difference. 
Right. I mean, I think the the core principles remain the same. Sure. Uh, the types of recommendations that you're going to make remain right. the same. But there's a lot of complications uh, based on the particulars of any given business. And that's true relative to publicly versus privately traded companies, uh, difference between those that are um, parts of government, uh, for example, certainly those that are employee-owned. You know, it has to do with, number one, how can you communi- communicate with them? Uh, what of the things that you have are going to be public? I mean, if you're a government entity, a great deal of what you do is open to the public or will eventually become open to the public. Uh, So that's certainly a sensitivity to make sure you are aware that everything that you do, uh, you know, can and will be seen at some point. Well, and cell phones in the blogosphere have made everybody <laughs> a news reporter. Well, and a great point, That's right? Good I point, mean, yeah, e- yeah. even with even with a private company, right? I mean, all it takes is a an employee to share that email with a reporter, share that email on a blog, uh, tweet about something, uh, for it to be out into the public. We are getting we're really past our time, and I appreciate you guys staying right. in here and uh, you know just sharing the information. But I did want to ask in terms of um, some tips or some keys. Again, if you're, as you two have talked about, being prepared and and going to the experts is always going to be a good advice, but maybe it is on a smaller scale or maybe there's just some general tips you could offer up to those listening that do run a company or are involved in that type of uh, organization. Well, James is the expert, so I'll let him do the (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, first and foremost, it is is be prepared, right? I mean, it's think through what are the types of crisis situations that you might face as an organization and are you prepared to deal with them? Who are the audiences uh, that you will want to speak to in a crisis? And mm-hmm. make sure that you're thinking about that. You know, it's not just employees. It's not just customers. It may be uh, banks uh, that, that provide you with the money to do the things that you do uh, in the community. So think that through. Uh, figure out ahead of time uh, how are you going to communicate with them in a crisis. You don't have time to create uh, customer lists or email distribution lists in the midst of a crisis? Mm-hmm. Are those prepared and up-to-date on a regular basis? Um, do you have facts about your company, uh, sort of the boilerplate facts about how you handle safety, right? How you work with employees so that if an issue arises in those areas, you have those key facts ready and available uh, to, to go with and to work with. It's certainly when a crisis occurs, get the help that you need, um, whether that is public relations counsel, whether that's legal counsel, whether that's bringing in a third-party expert to assess your organization and make sure that if there is an issue uh, that you're dealing with it, um, it's act fast, right? And and be prepared to do so. I think if anything, I mean, that's what we've taken away from it is that preparation point. I mean, it, it, right. it limits the problem so much financially, you know, from an image standpoint, I think uh, hopefully, if nothing else, that's what our listeners take away from, from any of what we talked about. Bottom line, you have to execute well mm-hmm. in the midst of a crisis as well, but you can't execute well if you're not prepared in advance. Sure. Well, with that, we are going to have to close out this edition of Management Decisions. Once again, our in-studio guests today come from Miller Communications in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We've had Carl Miller, the owner and president of the company, as well as James Madlum, an account supervisor with the organization as well. Gentlemen, thank you both for coming in. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, we always want to hear from you, the listeners as well. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you do have any comments or suggestions for LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.